you know as we finished up last week and you know we had our guest speaker last week pastor doug was with us and he brought us a brought us a great word the magnitude of god's greatness and uh when, when you just begin to to think about that it could send you i won't say down different roads but it it leads you to how all of the these roads lead you to the one road that leads us to god and we talk about his goodness and his greatness and uh but but today you know just as i had spoken you know we're going to start a series and, I, and my wife bought me a little prop to go up here on love but the reality of that is i want to speak about perfect love so we're going to do a two-part series on perfect love before we roll into a, a seven-part series on keys to the kingdom and i'm super excited about that one but in the midst this week as i was riding because i had an opportunity to to, to do some riding and you know driving don't bother me because that's my one-on-one -on -one time with god and i can shout and i can holler in the truck if i want to and see and nowadays you know 20 years ago people might would think that you were crazy if they saw you talking while you're in the vehicle and nobody's there but now we have Bluetooth and we have uh, the wireless through our vehicle. So now that you can speak through that, nobody is, is looking at you as if you're crazy. So, so I get that opportunity to do that a lot now that people don't think I'm crazy, which it doesn't make me no difference anyways, because you know, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. You know, so as we continue on here, I, 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 I want to start this series with the subtitle of the love question the love question and you might not know where we're going with this but by the time we finish here today i'm praying that you'll be educated in the reference to what this reality here is so so first let's begin with defining love there are four different types of love that are mentioned throughout the scripture. The first one here we have is stork, which is love for family and relatives. You know, so, so with my wife, uh, my kids, my mother-in-law, my mother and my father, that's the kind of love that, that I portray for them. Next, we have phileo, which refers to the relationship between two people or an affectionate type of love. Uh, so we could look at it this way. It's like it's a brotherly love. I have an affectionate love for Brother Welton because he's my brother, you know. Uh, and I guess I kind of have that for y'all too because some days I might not love you in the way that I'm supposed to love you. So my love may begin to decrease. But God's working on that. And so I'm just being real here. It's not that I don't love you unconditionally because I'll still agape you at any time during the day but sometimes when we get mad at one another or we get furious about things we're like okay i'm just phileo now <laughs> so let you know let's so we'll be real here you know the next kind of love that we have here is eros which carries or defines a type of love that is a sensual connotation which you know, feelings of romance if we could say it that way uh, with saying it politely and and being correct in saying that and then we have the last type of love here and we've all heard of agape or agapeo 
Philippian. Agapio is a God's kind of love. It often refers to as an unconditional and without limits. So I, I want to go you know, a little bit deeper into this word or this type of love of agape because when we say it's a God kind of love, uh, to try to understand it in the God type of love or the unconditional love, it, it, it starts with here. It's, it's with reference to God's love. It is God's willful direction towards men. It involves God doing what he knows is best for man and not necessarily what man desires. For example, John 3.16 states, For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? Not what man wanted, but what God knew men needed. His son to bring forgiveness of sin. And, and you know, so, so this creates the picture of what agape or agape love is, is this unconditional love of what people need. You know, so, 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 you know, oftentimes, or, you know, I've, I've heard other ministers say, you know, I've even heard my dad say this at growing up, I, I spank you or I punish you. Why? Because I love you. And the kind of love that he's saying is because I love you unconditionally. I love you to the point that I don't want to see you do wrong. I want to bring correction into your life. And this is the kind of love that God displays towards me and you on a second by second basis. Matter of fact, he even did this before we were even born. He did this for us before the creation. So, um, so this, this perfect love or this perfect purpose does not take into consideration our wants, but our needs, the need that always points us to God and never to ourselves. So, so, so today's text, so is, is everybody kind of clear about what the four types of love that we got here, but the two types of love that we're going to be addressing today, and I'm not sure about next week yet because I have a title, but I, I haven't prepared that message yet, but we're, we're just going to move how the Lord uh, uh, gives us unction to speak, and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you always give that. That's that agape because he always gives me what I need and not always what we want. You know, so our text is going to come out of uh, John chapter 21 verses 15 through 17. And maybe some of us have read this before because this becomes the love question. You know, so so just to kind of, this was after Jesus had resurrected and this was the third time I believe that Jesus had revealed himself to the people or to the disciples. So here we are, you know, they were out in the boat and they were fishing and they couldn't catch no fish again. So here Jesus was on the shore. Matter of fact, he was cooking something for them to eat. If, if, if my Bible is, is correct in telling me what it says or if my memory served me correctly, excuse me, that, 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 that they were, uh, you know, and then you know, they were coming to the shore you see, and the beauty, the beautiness of, of, of this was, was when Jesus revealed himself each time after he had, had died and resurrected, it, it was hard for them to recognize Jesus. You see, because this was still the same Jesus, 
but he was in his glorified body. So what does that tell us? That we're going to almost be unrecognizable when we receive our glorified bodies as well. You know, we'll be skinny, we'll have hair, no more gray hair. You know, there won't be no more back problems. There won't be no more side problems. I won't be missing no teeth. I'll have all my teeth again. You know, my breath won't ever stink. It, I'll, it'll be glorified. So yeah, we're going there, my love. I'm, I'm for real. I'm just as legit as it gets. So, so I want to read the story here to you about this love question that, that Jesus had spoke to Peter, or he called him Simon uh, in this case. And so, so, so let's go on here. You know, it says, uh, I think I skipped. Sorry, let's go back. And okay, so after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my sheep, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time. I'm sorry. I don't know if I skipped that or not. No, you didn't. I didn't. A third, um, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. It did skip at that time. I'm sorry. So a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. As we begin to, to look at this story here, you know, uh, to, to kind of to bring into picture in the reason why, why Peter was responding or the reason why Peter, you know, had felt the way he did. You know, in this dialogue of this very in-depth conversation, we must take into consideration of what we have learned about these types of love. You know, in this real life story, we can see two different love mentioned here. One is phileo and one is agape. Jesus mentioned the word love in the first two times that he asked Peter was agape. The first two times that Jesus asked Peter, he said, hey, Peter, do you love me? See, the question that he was asking Peter was, do you agape me? You see, in the first two times that Peter replied back, the, the word that he replied back with was phileo. So, so Jesus said two times, hey, do you love me the way God loves me? Peter would reply back. He said, Lord, you know I love you affectionately. You know I love you brotherly. And then the third time Jesus made this mention. You see, and it said Peter was hurt. He was sorrowful because of what Jesus had said. So the, so the third time Jesus said, hey, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know I phileo you. You see, but to set the stage for this, we really got to go back 
to the last time that Peter and Jesus had a one-on-one -on -one conversation. A one-on-one -on -one conversation. And, and as I read through the scripture, I had never seen it this way. And the Lord just brought this out to me. So we go back to Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. And it said, he said, this was the last conversation that Peter and Jesus had. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brother. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something, son. Before the rooster crows tomorrow, you will deny me three times that you ever knew me. And here was the last conversation that Peter and Jesus had had. So, so why do you think Peter replied with phileo instead of agape? Because he reflected back on the last conversation that they had. So Jesus was asking Peter a love question. You know, so the last, uh, in reading the, these passages, we read that Peter is told that Satan has asked to sift him like wheat. You may ask, what is sifting wheat? Well, I'm glad you asked. So sifting is the process of separating different substances, especially grain and shaft, normally by passing through sieves. It is used as a symbol of judgment in which the good are separated from the evil. Sifting occurs by placement and then by shaking. The shaking represents the trials and the tests that we face during advancement or promotion. The shaking will cause the separation of what is desired and what is not desired, what is edible and what is not edible, what is good and what is bad. This is often the process that brings much discomfort but is necessary. The product that is produced from its sifting or shaking becomes the very thing or the substance that separates the sheep from the goat. Now maybe we can maybe put this into reality and maybe we have, and I think mom has, I think I might have seen her, but you put flour in a, in a sifter and you begin to sift it and you begin to separate the clumps from what's fine. So, and what's not good is tossed away. You know, Jesus even made that same illustration about the tree or the vine that didn't bear fruit. Well, what did he do with them? He said he cut them off and they were no good but to be burned. That was all they were good for because they didn't produce fruit. You know, so, so, so the sifting that, 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 that wanted to take place here was, was a purpose that was going to bring promotion and bring advancement to Peter, but it was something he had to go through. But I want you, I want you to recognize something here. Here's what Jesus said, But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon Peter, that your faith, should not fail. Did it say that, well, Peter, you know, the devil wants to sift you as wheat, so I'm going to rebuke him for you. 
Jesus didn't say I was going to rebuke him. He said, I've already prayed for you. I pleaded for you in prayer. I pleaded for you in prayer that your faith would not fail you. You see, we get back to the point of knowing how to wield the Word of God like a sword. When we use a weapon or we use a tool, but we use it for the purpose in which that it was always created for. You know, so, so you're, you're not going to use a hammer to, to drive a, a screw in. Now, can you do that? Yeah. Does, does that really the purpose of it? No. You're not, you're not going to you're not going to use a, the, the claw end of a hammer to try to pull out a screw. Can it be used that way? Yes. Was that the purpose of it? No. So the Word of God must be wielded for the very purpose in which that it was created for. You see, so, so when we're going through these trials and these tribulations in our life, God never rebuked the devil. We look back at the story of Job. Satan walked to and fro looking for someone. And what did God say? Have you considered my servant Job? You see, it was never that God wanted any harm to come to Job. But have you considered him? Have you considered him? Have you considered my servant Welton? Have you considered my servant James? Have you considered them? You see, Jesus said that I pleaded that your faith would not fail. You see, Peter became the deciding factor of his faith, just like we do. We become the deciding factor in our walk with God, if we fail or not. You see, because we're going to be tempted or to try to be sifted just like Peter was here. And Jesus isn't rebuking him. He's just saying, hey, what don't kill you makes you stronger. And we've all been there. We've all done that. And sometimes when it feels like that the pressure is so great, and how much more can I bear, we begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel here. The purpose was to produce a greater faith and not to fail for Peter. How often have we used the excuse of failure to cease our growth in the Lord. Guilty as charged. I've used excuses. Lord, I don't I don't understand what I'm reading in the Bible. I, I, I can't I'm not retaining what I'm reading in the Bible. Okay, is that an excuse? Or are you going to use it to strengthen yourself? Then go back and reread it again. Go back and reread it again. Go back and reread it again. Read it until it sinks in. Because when you're reading it, it's, it's going right here, but the purpose is, is for it to get right here in our heart. They're okay up there. No, let, let, let them do their thing up there. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the provision over that, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. You know, so, so Jesus already knew that Peter was going to fall, and he'd follow with this. I think I missed a, a couple of slides, but it's all right. Um, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brother. Well, what does that tell us right here? What does that tell us right there? That he willfully disobeyed.
So what did it do? It created sin. And sin separates us from God. You hear so many people say, oh, I'm saved, and now once I'm saved, I'm always going to be saved. And I do believe it's harder for us to walk away from God than what a lot of men would give us credit for. But on the same token, if I can walk forward, I can turn around and walk backwards too. What's stopping me from doing that? Nothing but myself. Nobody can make me do it. So, so sin separates us from God. So, so if Jesus told him, he said, so when you have repented, well, what does repent mean? We'll, we'll begin to really get into that in detail when we begin preaching on the keys to the kingdom. But repentance is just simply this. It's to have a change of heart. Okay, so I've changed. No, I didn't change my mind. I've changed my heart. I have a change of heart that's manifested. Well, what's, what's manifest me? Outward evidence. Repentance is to have a change of heart that's manifested by the way we live. It becomes an outward appearance. You know, John spoke about that when the, when the scribes and the Pharisees came out to the wilderness to see him baptizing people. He said, repent and prove that you've repented by the way that you live. Repentance is evidence. There's an evidence that we've repented. It's not a, I'm sorry, and then I continue on. You see, grace isn't a license to sin. Just because we have a driver's license doesn't mean that we can legally get out there and speed on the road. Doesn't mean that we can drink and drive. Doesn't mean that we can do things that, that supersedes the law. Because what? There are consequences to that. You know, what, what, did, what did he say in Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 6? He said, should you sin just so grace may abound? Certainly not. And I think he put a lot of emphasis on certainly not. Because if we take advantage of grace, then we'll take advantage of anything. Grace was, is not just a forgiveness of sin. Grace is defined in the book of Second Peter, I believe it is, the first chapter, uh, verses one, two, and three, that 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 grace is God's empowerment. It is His divine power. Let us continue on here. Here's what Peter responded in that very next verse. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. So, so now that we, we look at this right here, this was the last thing that Peter and Jesus talked about. Jesus had even told him that he was going to deny him three times right after this verse. But Peter's zeal and his willingness, his eagerness was his own ambition. You see, we've spoke about this in the book of Isaiah chapter 1, that being willing, but also being obedient. See, we can be willing to do something, but not be obedient in it. We can be obedient, but the willingness there is not there in that obedience. So as we reflect back to the story that we started with in the message about Peter being asked the love question, we now realize why Peter answered the way he did. Peter was still showing the reflection of his sin. Notice how Jesus said to repent and to turn to him again. What does turn mean? To turn away from, to turn from the direction that you're walking and to turn back. To turn and to turn back. This is the evidence that sin 
For this is the evidence of the fact that sin separates us from God. Peter's ambition, Peter's ambition was, was just so, he, Peter was magnanimous. Peter had to one up on everybody. You know, Peter had walked on the water. You know, Peter had said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, he was one up on everybody. He was one up on all the other disciples. You see, but the fact here is that Peter now became humbled in this love question. You know, but see, now he realized that he really didn't have the agape that Jesus had been showing him all these three years. And the reflection of that was by how he acted. He only loved Jesus affectionately. So that's why he, he responded affectionately. So, so we, we close today with that question. The love question has been placed here for y'all today. It's been placed here for me today. Is do we agape Him? Do we love Him the way He loves us? Or, do, or is it just an affectionate type of love? I love you when it's convenient for me, Lord. I love you when things aren't going my way. I love you for what you can do for me. Is that the love that we are displaying for God? As, as the Lord asks us that question, it, it, it needs to be our daily and not just a Lord you know I affectionately love you because there's God's calling us to more he's calling us to deeper and and how can we ever be that unconditional love that other people need as well if we are not loving God unconditionally doing the very things that he's called us to do to do the things that He's called us to do, to be the salt and to be the light. The proof is in the pudding. We saw it just the other week that Jacob, when he was touched by God, he no longer walked the way that he used to walk. He now had a different walk and he was known by his walk. Does people know us by our walk with God. See, people, I want people to think that I've lost my mind. And the reality is, is I have lost my mind because I no longer have a will because my will has been submitted to God. If you go to a funeral and you see a dead person laying in the casket, did they ever sit up and say, hey, I don't like the clothes you put on me? Did they say, hey, I don't like the way you combed my hair? You know why they didn't? Because they're dead to self. And they carry no self-image. They carry no self-perception. Their perception is what we need to be carrying. Not seeing ourselves, but seeing us in the way that God sees us. How does God view us? How are we loving God? Are we loving Him in the manner that is for the kingdom? You know, so as we speak about perfect love, you see, there is no greater love. And as we'll move on into next week, you know, you know, Jesus said there is no greater love than this, is that a man would lay down his life for a friend. 
you see, and as, as we continue that, as we continue that part of the scripture, is that Jesus said, I've called you friends. And it wasn't about me giving my life for Brother Welton, but if Christ is my friend, that I should be willing to lay down my life for Him. That is the greatest of love. He also says that perfect love casts out all fear. So as we continue in today and, and on into next week to continue this series about perfect love, how is it harmonizing in our life? You see, because we can't love people the way we're supposed to love people until we love God the way that we're supposed to love Him. And it's just like Peter. Peter was the deciding factor. He was the deciding factor if he would fail or not. And as God asks us the same question, as He's ministering to you right now about how do you love Him, don't be shameful of how you have been in the past. <coughs> because that's exactly what it is, is that's the past. What are we doing now? What are we doing now to, to be pursuing God? So I leave you with that question today. And, and, and maybe I just, just give you a moment to just spend, excuse me, just to spend a, a moment. We'll, we'll just time it for, for one minute. Just to reflect about how we should be loving God versus how we've been loving Him. He so willingly gave everything and He placed it on the cross and He gave His blood so willingly As I reflect, you know, we sat here and we watched the basketball game last night and you get a little excited when when your team is, is scoring and they're they're out playing the other opponents. And you know, we may get frustrated when our team isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing when we begin to respond in such a way. You know, if we can have that kind of zeal, if we can have that kind of excitement or disappointed for a basketball game. How should we be for the presence of God? How should we be for our fellow man, our brothers and sisters in Christ? You see, sometimes we get excited about the wrong things. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying the sports. There's nothing wrong with that as long as it's not placed before God. But the question is, is are you more excited about the game or Are you more disappointed in, in your team or the opponent or whatever versus how we should be responding to God? God wants to take us further and He wants to take us deeper. We are the ones that are the deciding factor of how close we walk with God. I know we frequently say so much but as I always say, if you want to learn a song, what do you do? You put it on replay. And as the Word is on replay in our hearts all day long, we stay reminded. We stay reminded of the life that God has called us to live. 
close in prayer here. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Lord, and as we are reminded, Lord, of, of how Peter felt, Lord, when you asked him the question again and again and again of, do you love me? You see, Lord, you realize, and Peter came to realize that he couldn't feed your sheep until he loved you the way that you loved him. And Lord, as we are experiencing the love, Lord, that you're speaking to us, Lord, that we would reflect it, Lord, in the same way, Lord, that you have displayed it to us, that you've showed it to us, that you've given it to us, Lord, a love that is without limit, a love that is unconditional, a love that keeps no record of wrong. Lord, as we answer your question today of if we agape you. Lord, and if I could be honest with you, there's times when I'm agape and then there's times when I'm phileo. But Lord, you've called me to constantly be agape. Help me, Lord, to stay reminded in my words, my deeds, and my actions to agape you, Lord, in everything that I do. Bless us, Lord, as we part ways, Lord, here today. Be with us, Lord. Keep us safe, Lord. Thank you for the word that you've brought us, Lord, here today. A word that changes our mind, that changes our hearts to be everything that you've called us to be. We bless your name and we give you glory for it in Jesus' name.